Game seven, eight seconds left, home team down by one. Oh, the home team strips the ball and the point guard is all alone. But it appears that there's a wet spot on the free throw line. The fans go silent. Their championship aspirations flash before their eyes. Wait, someone's running out on the court. Oh my, it's the towel boy. How did he clean it so fast? The point guard takes off and dunks the ball. Game over, the crowd erupts. Towel boy, towel boy. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Towel Boys, and as always, thank you for that sensational standing ovation, we love it every time, keep it up. So, today marks the day, episode one of a new series that Landon and I will be doing that evaluates each of the first round matchups of the NBA playoffs, and we are going to go in order based on which teams sucked the most, (laughs) and that of course starts with... The Miami Heat. Easily. But just as we are going to talk about the losers in these series, we are also going to discuss the winners. And there are a few teams that should be given more credit for their offseason adjustments than the Milwaukee Bucks, who brought in P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday to spice things up, in addition to Bryn Forbes and Bobby Portis. So... Let's just kick it off by discussing the series, what happened, why we think it went the way it did, and then we'll start to talk about what the losing team can look forward to in the offseason and what the winning team, what we expect from them for the rest of the playoffs. So, I'll start with this. We all saw last year the Miami Heat shocked the Milwaukee Bucks, went up 3-0, one in five games. And even last year, the vast majority of people would argue, and I would too, the Milwaukee Bucks were more talented. They had two-time MVP in Giannis. They had another all-star in Chris Middleton. And a pretty good surrounding cast that can shoot lengthy. They could play defense. They have a good coach. But the Miami Heat worked them. And this year was the complete opposite. Every single player that underperformed last year did their role perfectly. Giannis performed well. Chris Middleton was amazing. The additions that you said, Landon, balled out. Everybody on this team was locked in, played awesome defense, and shot the ball ball incredibly well. Now, to me, Giannis didn't perform any better this year than he did last year when they lost. In my personal opinion, I think he was inefficient. He struggled against Bam. He obviously worked Ariza, who was not big enough to guard him, much different from Jay Crowder last year. But Giannis struggled. They built the wall, and they the Heat defense did what it was supposed to do in that regard. The difference from last year to this year is you take out Eric Bledsoe and you replace him with Drew, and you take out, I don't know, God, I'm trying to think of Marvin Williams, and you replace him with P.J. Tucker, and you take out Kyle Korver, and you replace him with Bryn Forbes, you're seeing the shooters knock down the shots off of those Giannis kicks when that wall is built that last year's shooters were not equipped to do. So, I mean, the Bucks deserve all the praise for making the moves that they did. And that made a very clear difference because last year, the Heat worked the Bucks in the regular season. I picked the Heat to beat the Bucks in the playoffs, and they did so. This year, from the outset, I could tell 
that the Bucks were much better equipped to handle the Heat, and they did so. So I'll push back on the Giannis take because last year we saw an inefficient Giannis, and this year we really didn't if you look at the numbers. Now, what I will say, Landon, is that I agree with you in that maybe Giannis didn't necessarily do anything different that, that made him play that much better. What really made him play better was the supporting cast. But he right. did ultimately play better. He shot way better. Last game, he had 15 assists. He had a triple-double. He was putting up way better numbers, more efficient numbers. But the reason wasn't because the Heat let their guard down and couldn't guard him. It was because, like you said, these guys like Bryn Forbes playing out of their minds. Drew Holiday, even though he's not that much of a better shooter than Eric Bledsoe, he's still a better shooter. It doesn't take very much to be so. They have P.J. Tucker, who's always dangerous in the corner, and Bobby Portis is a good player. So, I, I th- yeah, I think the point that I'm trying to make is that last year, Giannis had a good series numbers-wise. He scored the ball pretty well, got his rebounds, got his assists and everything, but they were losing those games. And Giannis basically did the same thing this year. Like, he had a rough first game. He, you know, didn't have a high volume in, in the third game, I think it was. And then in the fourth game, everybody was clicking on all cylinders and Giannis was hitting those turnaround fadeaways, which is when right. you know that you're done. But my point is, Giannis is go he's such a consistent factor. He is always going to produce high numbers. But last year, like you said, there weren't shooters to break down that wall. And this year there were. Absolutely. And specifically Bryn Forbes, who is a player I've you know, I've been talking about for a few months and how I thought yep. he'd be a factor in the playoffs. He's a really good shooter. He's a guy who can come off the screens, moving, and just drill shot after shot. And when you have a player like that who's hitting shots, it doesn't just like it. It doesn't just instill a level of confidence in him going forward. But the whole team is like, our eighth man is dropping twenty points in the Miami Heat. Let's go kick this team's butt. Yep. And that's exactly what they did. Every player on that team, there was not one single player on the Milwaukee Bucks that I would say underachieved in this series. Some were okay. Like there were there were a couple guys like Pat Connaughton didn't do anything crazy. DiVincenzo was hurt before that. He was okay. But the vast majority of these players in the Bucks rotation were outstanding defensively and offensively. They were. And I I think we should just shout out Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. I'll take yep. Drew. You could take Chris. Yep. My thing with Drew is that he doesn't necessarily score at, you know, an efficient rate every game. He's not necessarily putting up high assist numbers every game. Like he got like over 15 or something and one of those blowout wins. But what he does is get buckets at in a timely way. I remember in game one, I think it was, when that was coming down to the wire and somewhere around like the four-minute mark maybe – he got that like rebound tip out kind of kind of play where he was sprinting down the court with the ball on a fast break and he got a bucket on two heat defenders and that kind of swung the momentum because the heat were were pushing back pretty hard on the Bucks lead. So I just I just find it so amazing that they were able to go get this guy who isn't your traditional all-star but is just locking up Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero, whoever he gets put on, on the perimeter, not letting them dribble whatsoever, and then can go on the other end and post those same guys up. It makes such a large difference when you have a guard that can take boys into the paint. There's a reason why Jimmy Butler 
applauds Drew Holiday so much. They have a pretty similar game when you think about it. They do. They can. There is not a lot of guys in the league who can take advantage of either of them defensively, and they can use their size very well offensively. While they can't shoot that well, it's good enough where nobody's disrespecting them, and they have that dog mentality where if you do disrespect them, they're going to hit the shot. So that's that's Drew Holiday in a nutshell. He's an awesome player, like you said. And let's remember, the Bucks were getting harassed by NBA Twitter for that trade in the offseason. They, they gave were. up way too much. This, if this backfires, this will be the worst trade in Bucks history. This will rival the Paul Pierce trade. But look, it's only one series, but if this is any indication of the impact it'll have, it is 110% worth it. I think the comical part about all of that was they gave up Eric Bledsoe, who is a negative asset. In order to get a top, you know, 25, 30 player in the league, you make that trade every time. And yeah, they gave up all those picks. But I think what we're starting to see with a lot of this is that as long as your superstar is between, I don't know, 24 and 27, and he'll spend at least four more years with your franchise, most likely, giving away those three first round picks is not that big of a deal because a lot of them are probably going to be pretty bad. Yep, that's that's 100% true. And what's even more important than the actual draft picks is convincing your superstar that you're all in. If you don't do that, why are they staying? They won't. They won't. So Giannis clearly bought in, and whether they agreed that they would make a big move before he actually bought in, who knows? I'm pretty sure he signed it before the trade, right? Uh, Yes, he did. So... But they they followed through if that was the case and and so or far no he's, he's I believe he signed it after actually was it well yeah I, then, I remember then maybe us. that's why he signed it yeah they right. were they were close to each other in sequence I'm sure um, they all talked about it with the front office and everything so yeah um look let's let's touch on the losing side here um, oh whoa 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 oh let me get my word in about Mr Chris Middleton oh I forgot gotta yep, respect go for him. it go for gotta it. respect him so I you said this to me after like game two but. I, I've never seen a shot swing a series so much. Chris Middleton hit the most important shot of the first round, and it's not even close. It's the one close game. He hit a game winner against the Miami Heat team that the Bucks clearly in game one, we saw a lot of last year. A lot of last year. Big time. Scouting themselves, missing shots, playing to the Heat style. And when Middleton hit that shot to get out of the... Who's taking the last shot? Shadow and all this. Is he good enough? And also sending a message that the Miami Heat are beatable. That changed everything. Buck's confidence shot up. He was amazing this series. He's always been a great player, great shooter. He's a 50, 40, 90 guy. Middleton's amazing and truly one of the most undervalued guys in the league. A second guy that can be really clutch and take your last shot. And Giannis needs that. So I give him all the credit in the world for being a really good two-way player. And he's going to need to be amazing next round. He will. And, you know, what's special about him to me is there are only a few guys that can consistently take pull-up mid-range jumpers where they don't have to fade away. It's a short list. I mean, the three off the top of my head are Middleton, Durant, and Michael Porter Jr. that just have the size and the quick trigger to be able to just to just release it right in a guy's face. And it makes him so important because offense just comes naturally for him to where if he gets the ball on a possession and a guy is on him that's like 6'6 six, six or under, 
like Drogic or Nunn or all the, the defenders the Heat were throwing at him, that's almost an automatic bucket for him. His range in that, you know, 12 to 18 feet is just unreal. And the touch and everything. So, yeah, he deserves a ton of props. Definitely. Now we can go over to the losing side Miami Heat. Why don't you kick us off? So I think the biggest thing here to discuss is just Jimmy Butler's big talk and no show. Now, I'm not one of these people that is going to say that, that you know, he's not a top 15 NBA player. I'm not judging him that hard for this because, he look, he made the finals eight, nine months ago. I mean, come on. You can't just like make these drastic changes to your to your lists in your mind based on this one series. I mean, come on. Um, he also had a career year. So the thing I will say is that his offense is really hard to execute when Bam Adebayo is not taking mid-range jumpers at will to pull Brook Lopez away from the basket. Definitely. And I will, I'm going to yell at Bam in a second. Um, but to, to continue on with Jimmy, he's a guy that, like I, I briefly alluded to earlier, when he has a smaller guy on him, he'll attack the basket. He can draw contact. He's a smart, savvy offensive player who's not going to kill you with Chris Middleton's step backs, but he's going to get to the rim, find the open guy, and and really just make things happen. But when he has somebody in Giannis Antetokounmpo with a 7-plus wingspan or whatever it is, I think it's a 7-3 wingspan guarding him, highly motivated, big hustle guy, like that's not Jimmy Butler's offensive game. He's not going to do too much on Giannis. We saw him tie the game, the end of game one, sure, but most of the time that's a really bad matchup. So as much as I, as much as people want to blame Jimmy Butler for his offense, it's also the Heat were missing shots, so his passes weren't really doing anything, and Giannis was really causing a lot of troubles. So I want to give a lot of the props to Giannis's defense. He was sensational on Jimmy Butler. See, I've seen a lot of that going around, and my problem with that is I watched Jimmy blow by Giannis like very consistently. I mean, there were few plays where Jimmy didn't have the foot speed to get around Giannis, who for all his length is still kind of a lumbering big at times. And the issue is once you blow by that one guy, if Bam is standing, you know, at the elbow with Brooke Lopez thinking he's no threat to score a bucket and Lopez can come onto the the block that Jimmy's driving toward, that's where he faces problems because He's not going to shoot mid-range efficiently over Giannis's wingspan trailing behind him, which gives him no options. That's why I'm sure you noticed he would drive and just pick up the ball and be completely stuck because he had two seven-footers hovering over him over and over again. So like you said, yeah, Jimmy did not look good, but it's also tough when you don't have any space to get to the game that you want to get to. I agree. Could Jimmy Butler score on Giannis? Yes. Has he many times before? Yes. Will he many times in the future? Yes. But did he struggle more than I expected him to, especially compared to last year against Giannis? My answer is clearly yes, based on what I saw. But no, it's a fair point. Brooklyn, or excuse me, Brooklyn. Milwaukee (laughs) has a... No, no, no. Well, Brooke Lopez is probably why I was thinking of it, but Milwaukee (laughs) has a lot of length. And 
getting shots off over them is particularly difficult, which is why Kevin Durant's going to own them because he doesn't care about that. But the Heat yeah. struggled. The Heat clearly struggled with that. The length, the rebounding, the contesting of shots. I mean, it made a huge difference this year. It did. Um, all right. Let's talk about the offseason for the Heat. And then lastly, we'll touch on what we think the Bucks will do in the coming weeks. So, look... The Heat photoshops are running rampant. You got Kawhi, you got Dame, you got fans even hoping for DeMar DeRozan to come up and clog the paint even more. There are all kinds of hopes in Heat Nation for landing any big-name player that they possibly can. And I think what I'll say is that Tyler Hero, Precious Achua, and two first-round picks if they unlock a 2024 pick currently held by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Those are pretty much the only assets you have because they waited until now to to get this deal done. It's not their fault. They weren't able to get stuff done before. But Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn are no longer assets for the Heat. They're free agents, which means that their asset pool is really limited And there are a lot of superstars that other teams would have more ammo to go out and get. So I don't know if they'll be able to bring in this kind of, you know, franchise changing player that's potentially better than Jimmy and Bam. Jimmy and Bam is a great core and they can build around them with shooting and with ball handling. So I'm very interested to see where they go from there. I agree. And the one thing the Heat have in their favor, even though they've lost some ammo, two words, Pat Riley. We don't know what he'll do, but he pulled off Jimmy Butler out of a hat, trading Jay, Josh Richardson, Jay Rich, and a couple other guys, picks here and there. Nothing substantive at all. So there's always room for Pat Riley to make something happen, to convince a guy like Kawhi to sign. We don't know what'll happen. It's the Miami Heat. They have a huge market, but... It doesn't look great, especially with how bad Tyler Hero was. That really tanks his value, considering how highly touted he was last year in the bubble. So it's it's a step back for the Heat. So we'll see Big what time. happens. Big time. And look, we were talking about Tyler Hero and Michael Porter Jr. being two of the, the best young assets in the league last summer after his finals run. And at this point... I mean, That's his comical. value is really tanked. What'd you it's say? Comical. I yeah, exactly. It's comical. You can't even compare them anymore. Not even close. So do I think Tyler Hero is better than he played this year? I do. And if you look at his numbers, they're surprisingly good. He was like a 15-5-3 and three guy or something along those lines, which is not too far off from Beal and Booker and all those guys in their second year. Is he on that trajectory? Probably not. I'm just saying that if you take away all of the memes on Twitter and you truly look at the raw numbers, he was not as bad as people made him out to be. No, and I expect him. He's somebody who always listens. He's on social media a lot. He's he's this he's basically a clown. I expect him to, to be motivated by that. And I do expect Tyler Hero to bounce back next year and show what he has from the bubble, not what he had this playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. So I guess the last question about the Heat before we move on to the Bucks: Are the Heat another first-round exit next year? I can't answer that question unless I see the roster. But of course, if, project. If this, 
let's let's say that this roster, I'll do it two ways. Let's say this roster is exactly the same right now. No, I think they're a top four team in the East. I don't think they showed it this year. But if you told me to name the top four teams this year, I would have named the top three seeds, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Nets. And then I would say the Miami Heat. I think they're definitely better than the Hawks, the Celtics this year. Next year, I think they're going to do something in the right direction. And I definitely think they will not be a first round exit. Yep, that's what I was asking. Just project the move like in your head. And if that move is substantial enough to put them into you know, a top four seed that would prevent them from playing a team like the Bucks or the Nets. So Right. What I will uh, say is that unless they get a third star, they're not going to the finals again. I think I agree with that. So uh, they, they have a decently high upside. Bam can get better, which would pull, you know, bigs away from the rim. And then Jimmy can be better at his game. Like I've been saying this whole time, but enough about them. They lost. They're done. Let's move on to a team that has finals upside this year, even championship upside. And that is the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's just discuss what, how far do you think they'll go? Can they take down Brooklyn? And if they do, is that a championship? Because I personally believe the winner of that series wins the chip. Yeah. I, the winner certainly goes to the finals. I, I say that much. I, if the Milwaukee Bucks shoot like they did against the heat, they will beat the Brooklyn Nets because that would be insane. But they're not going to. They're going to struggle more. The Nets are a different team, a lot more pressure, three superstars. There's not a revenge factor. There's a, well, we beat the Heat. Now what? Now we have to go against Goliath. So, (laughs) like, this is a much different series. And the biggest, biggest X factor is also the Bucks' best player. It's Giannis. Can Giannis dominate? If Giannis can dominate the way he does and he can kick out shooters who are hitting shots, they're going to beat the Nets, which is crazy to say. However, I don't see that unfolding that way. I see the Nets doubling, making Giannis struggle a little bit, and just overall, when the game's in the line, hitting every possible, every conceivable shot from any of their three huge, huge, enormous, big-time shot makers who are some of the best shot makers in the league. So I think the Nets win that series in six. But the Bucks are a really, really good team who can beat them. They have the formula. They just have to execute. So I agree. I'm gonna I would pick the Nets as well. They're just those three guys are too damn good. And Joe Harris is a big difference maker because you know, when you double off of any of those three, he's usually the one that benefits. What I will say about the Bucks is that the formula to beat the Nets and what will happen is very different from what happened with the Heat, where the role players ended up and Chris the role players and Chris Middleton ended up being like the reason for all those blowouts rather than Giannis, in my opinion, at least. Um, Giannis can put up 40 a game in this series because the the Nets just watch. They're going to watch the film. They're going to know that Bryn Forbes, you can't leave him. You can't leave Chris on these doubles. So what do you do? You end up forming a half-hearted wall against Giannis because you know the shooters are deadlier this time. And Giannis is going against Blake Griffin or Kevin Durant, two guys that, I'm sorry, but Giannis can just body them. And will he get some offensive fouls? Probably. But at the same time, I just foresee him having potentially his most dominant series that we've seen against a really good team. He, he may, for sure. I could also see the Nets absolutely selling out and saying, look, we're not going to let Giannis do anything. We're going to double and triple him. And these role players are going to have to do they did against the Heat to us. 
I don't know if they can, but there's one thing for sure. <laughs> Blake Griffin cannot guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. No. And frankly, I, he, nobody can on that team. Right. And despite that, I think we should applaud the Nets and Blake Griffin for forming this relationship because imagine if they didn't have Blake Griffin. Who do you put yeah. in front of him then? <laughs> then you're, yeah, no Jeff Green. It's a big, big problem. Jeff Green right. at least did try to stay in front of him. It's a similar well, Jay yeah. Crowder frame. Right, but Blake, I mean, Blake at least has the size to, to oh, really stay definitely. in front of him. And, Otherwise, and yeah, like the, the biggest thing that I feared even coming into the playoffs if these two teams collided was if Kevin Durant has to guard Giannis, that is going to weaken his offense. He will be more tired. He will be in foul trouble. That is the worst case scenario for the Nets. And having Blake at least minimizes that chance and allows Kevin Durant to not have to deal with Giannis at least for part, if not most of the game, so he can really excel offensively like he always does. Right. All right. I think that covers our Heat versus Bucks series breakdown. Congrats to the Bucks for moving on, and I look forward to watching that game one on Saturday. All right. Let's let's end with one bold prediction, one towel we'll take of the day mm. each for a player on the Milwaukee Bucks going into the next series. I will start. I think that the leading scorer on the Milwaukee Bucks next series will be Bryn Forbes. No, I'm kidding. But Chris Middleton is going to have a sensational series. He's going to outscore Giannis. He's going to be unbelievable because this is the type of series that I think he excels in. Scoring at high levels, knowing there's guys on the other side who can do what he does, and being motivated to prove that he is worthy to be in that conversation with those elite shot makers. Chris Middleton is going to have one heck of a series, at least 27 points a game. Book it. Okay, and I already gave my Giannis take, which is that he's going to be putting up crazy numbers and lead their team in scoring. So I guess I I already dismissed you before you even said your take. (laughs) But my take is that Drew Holiday gives Kyrie Irving a world of pain because I personally believe that Drew... Just like I think Bam was made in a lab to guard Giannis, I think Drew was made in a lab to guard Kyrie. Because all those flashy dribbles and everything, they only do you so well if the guy that's on you can literally stick to you. All of that can just result in turnovers if the guy is just you know sliding his feet and literally blocking you off from getting the ball that you just threw out five feet to your right. Um, I really foresee Drew having his biggest impact in this series out of any series they play. Okay. Good take. Good take. We will definitely discuss more about the Nets soon. But for now, that's all. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And stay tuned for the next series, which happens, or the next game, which happens to be the Brooklyn Nets series where they defeated the Boston Celtics in five. Always remember to embrace your inner towel, boy.